Hey friends, welcome to the Cigar Social, a podcast where we smoke cigars, drink whiskey, and just BS for a little bit. We are just a couple of regular guys from the Chicago area who enjoy a good cigar and a whiskey on the weekends and just decided to start a podcast. So thanks for joining. My name is Matt, and across from me is the one that puts the extra in extraordinary. Ken? Hey, Ken. Why, thank you, Matt. You are way too kind with that intro. You know, this was just an idea a couple weeks ago. And uh, here we are. Yeah. Um, I think basically our, our basic qualifications are uh, two things. One, uh, we like brown liquor, so we're talking bourbon, scotch, whiskey, across those boards. And also we're big fans of cigars. Far from experts in either one of those areas, uh, but we're willing to learn and willing to uh, sample everything we possibly can. And also, too, in the meantime, we're just, like you said, a couple guys, and there's millions of topics to talk out there, so talk about, so anything is game, and uh, thanks for listening in advance. I hope you keep listening. Yeah, that's the trick, right? Once you, yeah. you reel them in, you kind of have to keep them there. I don't know about reeling them in. Uh, I'm throwing a net out there, you know, see what happens, so. Anyway, also part of it is me and Matt had this idea, it's probably this idea been thought about a million times but so what we like to do with our show here um is one week one of us will bring the brown liquor and then the neck and the other person will bring the cigar and then we're going to flip-flop so yep. my turn this week i bring the i am bringing the brown liquor and matt of course has the cigars for us so a little segment we call show and tell show and tell yep. so why don't you start because you're already so for the first episode, I brought the Oliva Serie O Churchill. This is a 7x50. Uh, the Serie O is a Habano Puro. It's made in uh, the Cuban, uh, don't mind Kenny's using the tabletop uh, jack, uh, what was the, like the slot machine style uh, cigar cutter. But uh, yeah, this is made in the Cuban tradition of growing the same Habano seed in uh, diverse regions of uh, distinct uh, country. Uh, this cigar was made in Esteli, Condega, and Jalapa Valley. It was actually ranked number 11 in 2013 uh, Cigar Aficionado, top 25, with a 94 rating. In case you didn't know, the Habano cigar wrapper is a leaf grown with a Cuban seed, hence the word Habano, referring to the Cuba's capital. Usually darker in color, much spicier flavor. That's it's just like my style, right? Smooth, yet full-bodied. Uh, earthy with a hint of cocoa and cedar. Uh, I'm a big fan of these. I'm actually firing up right now. and It's a good size, too. Whoa. I'm a big fan of the 7x50s. We ha I had the uh, CAO Visions. Those are the Churchill 7x50s. That's kind of where I ventured into the, the... It's almost a Churchill. The Churchills are sometimes a little bigger ring gauge. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's like your perfect cigar for uh, playing around the golf because you can light it up on, on the first tee around the turn. You know, you're kind of nearing the end of it. Maybe you can bring it into the, the, the back nine. And, uh, yeah, I just immediately fired this up, and it is great. It's good. I mean, I said apart from my expert, but I know what I like, and it fits right into it. I mean, here we sit, middle of the day. And... Yeah, you can call us a nooner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's safe to say well, cigar, yeah, big winner. Now, let's 
talk a little bit about what, what I brought today. And you know, what I, I think what we talked about, things we're going to, we've had experience in whiskeys and so forth down the line. But on this show, I think we want to go ahead and try things we haven't tried before. Maybe we've heard of them and wanted to delve into them. And that's the case with our inaugural podcast today is stayed in the United States. And I am going with Stranahan's Blue Peak Single Malt Whiskey. And, um, you know, some of the earmarks with it are it's, it's distilled at a high altitude, aged in American oak barrels, and Solera finished in a maturation process typically used in wine, resulting in a rich and mellow whiskey. So let's pour that down. Mm. Good sound. Bravo, bravo. Yeah. Cheers to that. All right. I like the label on it. It's a, it's a nice, it's an attractive looking bottle. Single malt whiskey, huh? So you know what uh, single malt whiskey is. It's the easiest way to understand that term is to break it down into two parts. Single, obviously, referring to one distillery, uh, while malt refers to how the whiskey was made. Uh, malt whiskey is a whiskey that is made from 100% malted barley. In case you didn't know. Did not know. The more you know. And as far as I know right now, as far as I'm tasting it, it is, I don't know, we got something good to pick. It is Pretty mellow. You know, initially, when I had to pour it, it just draped it across the tongue. I'm like, okay, this is a nice, mellow, oh, slow. I guess you call it slow burn. And then the aftertaste is, it's nice, easy. Wouldn't even is, call it a burn. No, I mean, I, I guess that. Yeah, it is. Just taste. And mind you, we're drinking these neat. I mean, obviously, down the line, sometimes we'll drop, drop a water here and there, and something, or maybe an ice cube. But pretty much, we like it right out of the bottle. I usually go with the drop of water or the ice cube when you start getting into the higher octane of uh, things. This is 86 proof. Yeah. So you're getting a good flavor out of it. It's a, with a Solero finish. Big fan. Yeah, it is good. I, uh, I mean, I'll, generally if I'll drop water into something, it's normally like a rye. I'll try with that. Elevation uh, 5280. Um, so that's probably off the mountain side of it. I wonder where in Colorado this was. Well, yeah, I know well, you're mile high. Five thousand two hundred eighty is in yeah, fact. That's around Denver. It's you know. Yeah. Well, oh, that's right. It says Denver on the side. I know when I was in Vail, that's eighty-one sixty as a base. You're looking at about eleven thousand and change for some of those peaks out there. Okay. All right. Big win. All right. I would do this again. I'm a fan. I'm mm-hmm. a fan. So, what's on your mind, Matt? Well, uh, I mean, we're going to try to steer away from a lot of the politics, but we both know Thank there's you. a lot going on right Thank now. You. So let's go into something a little uh, lighter, and I'm just going to go ahead and throw this dart right away. Go ahead. What are the Steelers are going to do oh. with, for a quarterback? I mean, you can't really play with uh, – you can't play your cards with, with Mason or with Dwayne. They're not the answer, right? They're, you need somebody with a little bit of experience, maybe a veteran. Now, I was thinking of two things here. 
could make your run for Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be a good thing. Or maybe I speak for all uh, Bears fans out here, but please don't go for Mitch. Uh, Trubisky is is on the on the block. He's he's he, he could be picked, and he could be the next uh, Steelers QB. Really? Hey, well, you go, you actually yeah you threw that dart. You hit the bullseye. Let, let's preface this a little bit, uh, folks. I'm a Steeler fan. Okay, it is a Steeler nation. Y'all just living in it. And my counterpart over here, Matt, is a Dallas Cowboy fan. America's team. Okay, America's team. Yeah, yep. de facto America's team. But anyway, we live in Bear Country, and suffice to say, I've been. Born and raised in the Chicagoland area, and I uh, I do like the Bears. I like them a lot. They are basically I could say you know they're my second favorite team. Chicago Bear fans like whatever you're all in or you're not. So you know, in fact, this year I went out to Pittsburgh and watched the Bears play. And like I say I was rooting for the Steelers. Okay, so throw your rocks and garbage right, garbage right now. But let me get back to what you were saying. Okay, that was been the hearts and minds. Every Steeler fan that's out there. Yep. What are we going to do? You know, and you've got Mason Rudolph. You picked him up five years ago, Oklahoma State. And he is in their system. He has been in their system. Uh, any Steeler fan who is watching or knows what's going on has a tough time believing he's the heir apparent. It, it's just tough. I mean, when you see a body of his work, and then if, you know, you do a deep dive into it, you're like, well, you know, he hasn't had that starter role. He hasn't gotten in that rhythm. He hasn't uh, been with the, you know, the first team offense and all those other things, et cetera, et cetera. So why don't we go ahead and give him the keys and let's see what he can do. You picked up Dwayne Haskins, who was a project, for lack of a better term. You know, he basically was discarded from Washington. Uh, incredible amount of talent. What can he do on the team? He definitely deserves a fair shake. And those are your big two. I mean, in and out, you have Josh Dobbs, the astrophysicist out of Tennessee. Seems like he comes in, he comes out, uh, he makes the team, and he gets cut, brought back again. Uh, and then a few years later, we had Duck Dodges. Or, or Duck, you know, remember him? The uh, kid out of Alabama State when Ben actually hurt his arm. So back to your original question. Yeah. Should I say Trubisky? I mean, is he a carbon copy of... Oh, I'm not, I can't say carbon copy, but, I mean, does he have the same uh, attributes in, as a uh, Mason Rudolph? Okay, fine, that argument's there. Uh, when it comes to Mitch Trubisky in particular, you know the story. I mean, the Bears, they traded up to get this guy with, a, in my opinion, a very small body of work. You know, a starter for one year pretty much out of North Carolina State. and I'm sorry, North Carolina. And when you... Look, you know, I didn't know who he was in particular. I mean, just watching what was going on. But apparently, you know, Ryan Pace is like, hey, I'm in love with this guy. Let's, let's do what we can to get him. Yeah. Okay, fine. It's neither here nor there. He's not on the team anymore. Ryan Pace is no longer the general manager. Nagy's no longer the coach. Nagy's supposed to be a quarterback whisperer. We thought all these things. Okay, great. And it didn't work out. And, you know, Mitch was demonized in the whole process. Some of it is his own doing. There's no question there. Uh, argument is, you know, was he utilized properly? And these arguments are out there. You can listen to any sports show in the area, and they're going to tell you the same thing. Now, yeah, if I could get Mitch Trubisky at a bargain price, I will not throw a lot of money at this cat. No way. There's no reason to. No. Um, He's relatively young. I mean, are we – I think there's a lot of people out there rooting for him. Could he thrive in a Pittsburgh Steeler offense? I don't know if that's the way they're going. They're pretty much in love with – you know, from what's out there, the Malik Willis out of uh, 
Liberty. I don't think he's going to fall to them, and I don't think they should trade up to get him. No, I think style-wise, you know, Mitch might meet the ticket to kind of follow in the, you know, those are big shoes to fill, but follow in the, the, the cloud uh, dust uh, that, that Ben left. But you throw in a Jameis Winston, and that is your complete opposite. That dude's got wheels, and he can move. You know, Ben wasn't really a, a running quarterback. No, it's funny you mention that. And getting back to what you're saying before, okay, when, before he got hurt, and I haven't checked the facts on this, so just remember this from earlier in the season. Correct me if I'm wrong, he threw 14 touchdowns, three interceptions, and then he had a, you know, massive injury. You know, he was devastating injury. And he's out. And I do believe he was on a one-year contract, so, I mean, he's a free agent. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that guy was rolling. I mean, we thought, holy gosh, when you had that first game of the season when they throttled Green Bay, and you're like, man, this guy, basically, he's hit his stride. This is where it's at. And, of course, they thought the same thing about the Steelers in general when they beat Buffalo. Like, okay, look at this. This is your, you know. Look at them coming out and throwing punches and winning. But, I mean, what's out there? Um, like I said, every sports show that's out there, do you get Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh? You know, they want, I mean, is he the guy? I don't know. I mean, for me, okay, if, if you ask me, hey, Ken, you've got 24 hours. You get to go ahead and run the show. You get to beat Kevin Colbert, you know, instead of him. He's on his way out anyway. What would you do? Well, I would look back to the hallowed antiquity of the Steelers. When you inserted Ben Roethlisberger into the group there, they already had been building a team, most notably on the defensive side. They use their draft pick wisely. They normally do. Historically, they do. Yeah. I mean, 1974, you got four Hall of Famers that came out of that draft. Um, so they draft for talent. And the balance, in my opinion, is you draft for talent. And if you can wisely supplement with free agency picks, you know, that fit your mode, that fit your 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 character list, check those boxes and they fit in. And, you know, that's worked well for the Steelers. You, know, you look at a James Ferrier. Most notably, let's not forget about Jerome Bettis. Yeah. I mean, you they go down the line, and that's where you have the balance, and I think the formula you want. If you said to me right now, what would you do? I go, definitely would not trade up. Uh, let's just suppose that Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis are going to be gone. Steelers are going to get the 20th pick. Do you take uh, – What's his name? Um, is that uh, Howell? Is Howell the one from uh, North Carolina? You've got Ritter out of Cincinnati. Uh, the Corral, Matt Corral out of uh, Mississippi. I mean, these guys are there. Now, are they first-round grabs? Will they be there in the second round for you? Um, you know, for me, it's their line. You know, I know they picked up, uh, what's it, Kendrick, uh, Kendrick uh, from uh, – Illinois last year and thought that he would be the, the center of the future. But my God, if you watch the season, he was wearing roller skates. I mean, he was being pushed around, you know, for, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, and yeah. that killed the offense. Najee Harris spent more time running, you know, east and west, which he needs to work on that a little bit, I think. Uh, but part of it was to save his life. The other part is those jukes and those moves that he could do in college, NFL, they're not going to work. These guys will go ahead and clamp you down, especially if they've looked at any part of your team. They know what to do. I mean, these are pros now. So it's the line. I mean, got lucky with uh, Faramuth out of Penn State. What a gem there. Do you go after Linderbaum, the Iowa center? You know, do you go for him? Uh, I'm high on him. There's a lot of pundits out there that are very high on him as well. He probably wouldn't fall to the Steelers. He'll probably end up with 
Baltimore or with uh, uh, Cincinnati, I've heard as well. But my opinion is if you get a Ritter out of Cincinnati, who did great at the combine, I guess as far as quarterbacks go, he ran like a 4-5, something ridiculous like that. Is he a work in progress? Yeah, I'd agree with that. He did well at the senior bowl. Um, you know, that's what it would be. And if I can go ahead and bolster my line right now, or if we play the, you know, play the game, play the cards, what is the best available? The best available talent at that position. You know, there's edge rushers that are out there are going to follow the Steelers. Uh, it depends on what you're going to be doing. And they have some cap space for a change. They can actually fill that. I think that Juju Smith is going to be gone. Uh, I heard talk that they're going to try and get somebody's talking about giving him a contract, but that's talk. I don't know how much yeah. truth is in that. But uh, maybe we should transition into your team there and the high likelihood that Amari Cooper will be out and about. And well, The way I look at it, and Amari Cooper is great on paper, and do I feel like he's a, an asset to this team? Yeah, I, I do. I, but if you, he was underused. He was, he was not a target this past season. And I feel if he, if you replace him with a, you know, somebody fresh out of college or something like somebody with good hands and that and it's got some some wheels on him that can run down the field. If you find a Jamar Chase in there is what you're trying Something to say. Something along those lines. I, okay, I, I think that you're, you're not going to – we're not going to be missing much. Now, is he a good player? Absolutely. I, 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 I wish him the best of luck if he does the part. But um, if, if we would have thrown to him more and he would have shown more uh, productivity, I, I think that this would be a different conversation. But the, the fact that he, he was targeted – a handful of times well, would you each give him a, game. Would you give him $100 million? Is that what they signed on the dotted line from initially, $100 million contract? Something ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, I don't know how much is guaranteed. But, um, I mean, you're, you're, what I'm guessing is, reading the tea leaves, they're very confident in C.D. Lamb. Then. If you're going to go ahead and, and gallop. Lamb it? was a huge target. Yeah, what yeah. do you think about his production? Though? And, I mean, I would love to see the stats. And, uh, you know, as we go on with this podcast, I had to figure out how to – Google things on a on a on a goggle. Yeah, on your... but I do feel that uh, Zeke might have had more receptions oh, here we go. than Amari Cooper. Yeah. Okay, just because of Probably. all the screen yeah, passes I mean, yeah, and all. You know, he was he was more of a a pass target than than Cooper was. I feel, in my opinion, just from being a spectator. Because, uh, you know, I watched, and I think I got more interested in Dallas, obviously, because of you. Because I wanted to go ahead and, you know. As you should. Get it's, loaded it's, up. to it's America's you know, team. You know, oh, no, I just want to basically take critique and say, oh, yeah, how about that? Aha. But most notably for my fantasy football, which I had Zeke and I actually had C.D. Lamb. Mm-hmm. And some days a diamond, some days a stone. Zeke underperformed, you know, when it came to the fantasy. Uh, you know, some days he was okay. Yeah. Other days he just basically, what are you doing? And I... We talked about this before. I mean, well, let's get this out of the way, okay? Still licking our wounds from the loss to San Fran, you know. Thank God Green Bay lost to them because that was probably the biggest loss of the season, I'd have to say. I have to say the entire season was a self-inflicted wound for the Cowboys. Their, their 
penalties. Go there. They're, there they're, it is. They're yellow flags. That's their. That should be the flag that uh, the Cowboys mascot should go out and wave and begin the game. Is just a giant yellow flag because that's all that they we've saw all season. Yeah. And it is they pushed. They took two steps forward, three steps back. So many times, the fact that they got as far as they did is, is still astonishing. Um, did I expect them to go all the way? Not with the with the penalties, not with the way they were playing. And like you said in one of our conversations, it's discipline. Yep. And uh, does that fall on McCarthy? Does that fall on Dan Quinn? Should that fall on Jones and having the right key players on the sideline calling the shots? I, it's debatable. I'm going to say absolutely, but go ahead. But I, I think it's also the fact that these players should also have that discipline. Why? I mean, blame it on the coaches, blame it on the coordinators. But also blame it on the players. Uh, they should know better. And the fact that we're getting silly offsides and and silly uh, holding calls and and things of that nature, I mean, that's just basic. That's fundamental football that you they've been playing since you know they can walk right. And so now they're they're playing at the high level and they're making these silly mistakes. Okay, and I agree with that. But you know better than I. And that conversation we're alluding to earlier because. Uh, you know, everybody saw it in front of God and everyone on, you know, divisions, uh, division playoffs day. They, what did you, what was the number? Something like 14 accepted penalties uh, that day against them. So I hazard, I guess like there were like 17 total against them. 14 were accepted. So my math is off. Just, you guys are getting the gist of it. But you told me this been, you said a long time ago, right, before the playoffs even started. Anything that's going to go ahead and snake bite them is going to be their penalty. So you had been watching them, and you've been watching them all season long with penalty issues. Um, uh-huh. And you, you know, you lean toward, hey, it should be the, hey, the responsibility of the player. They're the player who's out there. They're the ones pulling the trigger. I get it. I get it. They're the pros. But if you're telling me this is something that's symptomatic of that team, what is the coach for? I mean, what, what is the staff for? If anything, I would hazard a guess that, okay, Guys, um, we need to k- take care of this right now because we're giving away how many yards in a given game. So, fun fact. Go ahead. Cowboys finished with 127 penalties this season. Okay. Most in the NFL, obviously. And it <laughs> equal to 1,103 penalty yards. That's what I was going to ask you. How many yards? Uh, 1,103, okay. which is the second in the league. So they gave away 100, wow, 11 times they gave away 100 yards, in essence. Yeah. In they, a 17-game schedule. Yeah, they, they, you know, 1,000 and change, 1,103. I mean, and that's, that's a lot of yardage uh, lost because of mistakes or, or holding calls or things like that. I mean, I think that Micah Parsons okay. carried that team as far as they did without his defense and stopping some of the, the, the scoring plays of, of the opposing team, they wouldn't have gotten that far. Oh, you um, got your, you hit, and that's where we talked about the immense amount of talent. And you, you go down the line, the immense amount of talent, uh, is it digs your, you know, your uh, safety? Is he a safety yes. cornerback? Um, yeah. He's defensive back. Okay, wow, what a year he had. Marka Parsons, like you just mentioned. Both defensive uh, players of the year, I think they both went to the Pro Bowl. 
And then the oft-injured Vander Esch, he played very well. I mean, uh, I don't he's think no he's... no Sean Lee. I feel like I, I still miss... But Sean I... Lee was another one to me who seemed to be injured all the time. You know, was he... he, he am I miss... Am I... He had a, a tendency of, of hurting himself, but when he was on the field, you know, it, it was hard to get past him. So, yeah, he made an impact, Yeah, what you would say. And Vander Esch, I don't think he really has been able to because he spent most of his career injured as well. But out of college, from my understanding, they were worried about his, his neck and you know neck injuries as such as well. Yeah, he wears he still wears that that collar around his shoulder pads to protect his neck from bending certain ways. But I mean, it's it's interesting to me, you know, no indictment on him. Uh, you know, injuries are injuries. But I mean, looking at that, I'm like, if he's out there, is he a good fit for the Steelers, who are desperately in need of linebacker help? Uh, that would be a good fit. Yeah, I think it would be. I mean. Steelers, I thought they did real well, and they got you know they moved up and got Devin Bush. In his rookie year, he was great, and then the next year he was hurt. Third game into the season, second game into the season, and a lot more people who watch the game uh, more intently than I do, more or less say, yeah. He, he, and I've seen it myself. This year he is not. He's not come back. There's like too many things they they see that he's not the Devin Bush prior to that injury, and that potential that potential they're talking about has been you know clearly stifled. Um, you know, will he be around? Uh, so, I mean, I thought about that. Now, I also thought about if Amari Cooper gets freed up, I think he's going to command quite a bit of money. I mean, I don't think he's going to be. Oh yeah. He's, he's not a, you know, a Clarence rack player. Mm -hmm. He's, he's going to be that, that top shelf price tag. But like you said, Steelers have a cap now available to purchase somebody of that caliber. Yeah, but I think... Uh, and if utilized properly, he could potentially be, you know, something extraordinary. I mean, not, you know. I think uh, if they are going to do some... They've been pretty fortunate with picking up wide receiver talent. You know, ironically, you know, you, you always thought the Steelers are a run-first, you know, defense, or run-first offense. They picked up Najee Harris. People say, why would you grab a uh, running back in the first round? Uh, no, they've got a good one. Okay, they 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 basically have got a really good running back. They got their their future running back there. You know, is he? You know, was he in Ezekiel Elliott that came out? He was drafted. You know, um, you know, let's just hope he doesn't go the route of Saquon Barkley. You know, when we're talking about these first rounders that are picked up. Yeah. Um, but if we are talking about Pittsburgh, okay, most notably De you know, Deontay Johnson, you know, out of Toledo. Uh, so we're grabbing a guy on the Mac. And another guy that really has piqued my interest, if you're paying attention to, is Sky Moore out of you know, Western Michigan. And you do a little research on him. And, you know, you know where did Antonio Brown come out of? And, you know, he's got, you know, he's got that flavor. And, you know, is he one that the Steelers are looking at? I hope they are. They probably are. And he will probably go. I mean, he would be a. I, I want to guess he'd probably be a second rounder. You know the way he. How's you know, your tight end game? Well, I you know well you've got. Just the reason why I bring that up in recent news, Giants released tight end Kyle uh, Kyle Rudolph. Right, and Kyle Rudolph. I mean, he's got a lot of city miles on him. He's been around. Um, yeah, he was in what Minnesota for a yeah, while. Minnesota is where he. You know, he's. You know, that's where he came from, and that's where he basically was drafted. He played near the lion's share of his career. Now, if he comes to the Steelers, that's great. That's fantastic. You know, can we get him for a song? I mean, we did try that experiment with the e Eric Ebron attempts with that. 
And when we signed him, I mean, I think it was a two-year contract. Really too much money wasn't he put out with, there. He was with the Colts at one point. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's a, you know. But when he was actually put in the center, center of it all, not last year, but the, I want to say the year before, too many drops. Uh, the Steelers were plagued with drops. And if we're talking about Deontay Johnson, that's what kept him from being a first selection to the Pro Bowl. No question there. His numbers were incredible. But he just couldn't hang on to the darn ball. Oh. Uh, and, you know, as a Steeler fan watching it all the way, I mean, when these key drops and drops and then you know, against Kansas City the first time they played one another, uh, fumbles. I mean, it was, you know, that kind of deal that you're like, what's going on out there? They're just like stifling and killing their own drives. Nothing that any Steeler fan doesn't know. Um, Which there's, you know, not a lot of Steeler fans out there. Really? Okay. I didn't know that. No. No, okay. I actually, I was proven wrong one, I was, when I used to travel for work. One time? One time at band camp. Yeah. I was traveling for work, and I did a job out in Cave Creek, Arizona, <clears throat> and there was a bar, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was, granted, on this street, there was a Bears bar, a Packers bar, and a Steelers bar. Sure. And a Vikings bar. Oh. All within walking distance. And oh, was this like Tombstone? Tombstone, Arizona? It, you know, basically. Sure as hell was. There was, yeah. the, when I walked into this the, this bar, it was just, the, the first thing I noticed was a Steelers Nation, blah, 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 flag okay. out front. And then there was a Cadillac Escalade. Show some respect. Parked out front. And the license plate of this Cadillac said Big Ben. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. Okay. Big, Big Ben's there. Yeah, 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 sure. I walk in and, it, you know, there's. It, it was a very cowboy esque, not team, but you know Arizona. You would assume cowboy esque bar, spurs yeah. and, and wagon wheels and stuff. Cactus, cacti, sure. Um, uh-huh. But then we were sitting there having some adult beverages, okay. and I saw a bunch of dudes walking inside from the back area, the back door, with spurs on, like and and chaps, like. Like rodeo style, I'm like, what the heck? Like, where are we right now? Like, I thought we were. I was at. I was at a regular. Was like, there a show bar. to begin, or was so? It, I followed the guy. I, I followed them back out that area, and behind this bar was a no live like rodeo going on. Okay, all right. A ring, a, a crowd. They were like bull riding and donkey riding and whatever riding. So now you're hooked. And now I'm like, what is going on here? This is a night that I should not have drank this. Like, I am sitting there, you know, slightly buzzed. But now I'm, I went from a Steelers bar to this. And this like, could go a couple ways. You're trying to tell me your, your state of mind. Yeah. And now you're like, okay, I, I got to hear I, this. I, no, I was astonished. And I need to find out what the name of this bar was. And right, Before you do that, can I go ahead and, uh, dare I say, top you off? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. This is a, a, a phenomenal choice, by the way. Uh, like I said, n- no burn. Um, slight burn on, like, maybe, I don't even call it a burn, but more of a, a whiskey finish, it per se. It is very smooth. Towards the, uh, towards the back end, you know, if you kind of sip it and let it simmer on your, in the back of your, you know, in the, in the, in the throat, in the, in the chest area, you're like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, the litmus test here, I was, you know, I drank it to the bottom of my glass, just hanging on your every word on this story. Because I can't wait to see what, I mean, my guess is this, there was a $100 buy-in, and then you got on the bull. God, I wish. No? No. Okay. Man, I wish. You wish you brought your chaps, is what you 
really I wish I would have brought my assless chaps and, and gave that donkey a ride for his money. Oh, it was a donkey. Okay, go no, ahead. I mean, I, yeah, was, yeah, all right, all right. This oh, is going okay. south. So you're right. This is, a, this is I a, knew it. This I knew it was going to go one direction. Yeah, this is a PG-13 maybe show. I mean, go ahead. we'll see where this ends up. Okay. But, uh, yeah, no, so, um, needless to say, Steeler fans, I guess, are slightly, you can find them in every, and you know what, I had an old boss that explained this to me. He was from the the Pennsylvania area, and he he moved over here to be a regional manager, names not being mentioned, but he, uh, he was a Steelers fan. And he brought this conversation to my attention when we were going at it at Steelers Nation, America's team, you know, back and forth, kind of like what we do. Sure. He was like, well, sure. uh, Steeler fans are uh, everywhere because there are um, there was that shutdown of like the steel mills and, and families migrated back in the day to different locations throughout the country because they were kind of this displaced. You take that back. Go ahead. I'm sorry. They were displaced. Okay. And so now you have these these Steeler fans that still hold on from like their, you know, sure, from wherever they are. It, it's kind of like the same thing. If you go down to Florida, you're you're going to find people from Ohio. You're going to find people from New York, and, and another you're going to find people from Chicago because people just migrate, right? But and you will find Steeler bars. I can say that. And you'll find Steelers. Hand bars. to God. Hand to God. Um, you know, you're right. That makes sense in the in the. We say the Steeler. I mean, you go to okay Arizona, like you mentioned. Yeah, you know they for years they were calling that uh, Steelers West. Uh, oh, that was yeah. The, it, the, it, the sign on front. Now that you mentioned it, it was called Heinz Field West. Okay, you know, and they yeah. got. I mean, and then they had you know back when Ken Wisenhunt was the coach for Arizona. You know, we're talking about when they were in the Super Bowl against Arizona back in two thousand. Dare I say two thousand eight? Uh, and there was a lot of, you know, a lot of Steeler fandom out there, which, and Ken Wisenhunt, who was overlooked, and him and Russ Grimm were in the running for the, uh, taking over for uh, Cower, uh, Coach Cower. And little known guy out there named Mike Tomlin. Who's that? Who? Mike Tomlin. You oh, ever heard of him? No. You know, it's real easy. I mean, you're like a, you're kind of like a, a history guy, or like you're kind of basically. So when you look at the Steelers, too, and this is the argument that I don't necessarily, I guess I could use it for Dallas because it would be appropriate. I definitely use it for the Bears. When I say, you know, what did the Steelers have three coaches in 52 years? That That's well known. But they're Hall of Fame coaches. That's the other part. You've got three Hall of Fame coaches. And, um, and I'm always a big fan of, you know, when you're looking at an organization, I'll immediately look at the top. And they said, you know, those are flowery terms. Hey, hey, it always starts at the top. That's a great mission statement, what you're going with. But truth be told, if you really look at any successful organization, uh, it is at the top. And not only is, it's not like an autocratic top. It's basically, okay, we have a vision, and we're going to get people who are like-minded in our vision. But by the same breath, we're like, okay, we're not going to close our minds to innovation, to new thoughts. I always believed it was smart, it's always been smart to use many brains and focus that energy for a collective cause to go ahead and get your you know end results. And when it I'll bring it back to the Steelers because you know obviously I'm a fan. 
we're getting all the Steelers talk out of the way now, so we, we don't do this in future episodes. Or we don't have to. I mean, but that's the problem. I mean, but you're right. But what's going to happen is I'm, <laughs> I will reference them. You know, because when you're talking about something like if you're talking about Dallas, all of a sudden I'll say, well, you know what? If oh. you want to correct your problem, let me bring you to a Steeler example. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, it's it is pretty pathetic, and I, I don't want to use that term because it's so demeaning. But God, man, your your playoff record, your playoff in recent years. Let's just. I'm not talking about. I don't want to hear you say, "Oh yeah, well, Stahlbeck was at the helm." No, no, no. I'm, I'm you a, know, that's for the internet. With baseball, I'm a Mets fan, so uh, I'm used to disappointment. Right. Mm. Last time we won something, I was two. That's tragic. Yeah, yeah. You know, we came close a couple times, but I wasn't expecting it. I, I knew damn well we were 1986, win. right? That was '86. The yeah, yeah. The uh, the amazings. The amazings. I mean, were you born then? I was two. You were two. I was okay. two. All right. So, as far as you're concerned, that's ancient history. Yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Right. yeah. Did it? Did it happen? Yes. Do I remember it? No. 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 But um, so. You know, I think that's we'll move on from that because it actually is. You say get all the Steeler talk out of the way. There's too much talk <laughs> about the Steelers. To you can't have it in one show. I guess we could go ahead. I mean, if I was teaching a course at a university, you know, I don't know what I would name it, but it. I mean, how do I say it? It's, what do we call it? This intro. I mean, I would start with an intro to Steelers mm. course. You know, probably a one-on-one course. And they would probably reach a 500 or 600 level course when you're talking about how to build a dynasty. Yeah. You know. Speaking of dynasty and segueing into uh, whiskey just a a little bit. Man, I was disappointed on that uh, Terry Bradshaw whiskey that we had. It was was a baby. It was... Man, you can tell right off the, the 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 nose when you you smell your glass. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! This is high octane. And it, it was is. it was a, a hundred and ten proof or something like that. I, I can't remember the number. I know it was up and it was over the hundred mark. Yeah, and I you know and we had it, and um, my wife was gracious enough to get it for me because she knows, and I got it for we saw it and I'm like, okay, Bradshaw's whiskey. Yeah, and I was excited, I, and I really you know you know me and you, we're not gonna we see the positive in all. Yeah. Okay, but you can't overlook some of the things that, um, you know, what I've come to find is if you get those higher octanes, we're talking about the one set of the higher proof, uh, you better damn well on your other end make sure the quality effort as far as the taste goes yeah, uh, is up to par as well. Um, yes, yeah, so I have a bottle of Bradshaw. It's almost gone. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm not like going to drink it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like it. But are there other ones that I could tell? Oh, yeah, there's a marked difference. There's other ones that have more flavor, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you basically were pretty uh, astute. You were keen in saying, well, here, here's the differences. And what were you saying? Why? So to me, the difference, in, especially when you get into the, the bourbon whiskey portion of it, is, is the aging in the barrels. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer of, you know, and, and I have actually two... Uh, in the house right now that I'll probably break out my newest one for, for next episode. But uh, there's a, a thing, uh, and it happened, and we'll get into this in the next episode when I, when I introduce it, but bottled in bond, when you have a whiskey distillery that, that has a product that's bottled in bond, means it was, at, it was a minimum of four years of, uh-huh. of aging. 
and it was from a, a single distiller uh, from a single season, and which and it, it's also bonded by uh, and, and supervised the aging process uh, by the government, right? So like there's regulations, and that, and it goes against uh, back in a day where where distillers were putting out products that were uh, had food coloring in it, or or I mean I've even heard stories of tobacco spit. To, to try to change the, the color of it in, in the bottle. So when you were purchasing it. So it was like highly, it was, unre- it was highly unregulated. Definitely not regulated at all. Okay. Right. So right. bottled and bond came out to say, Hey, listen, like you're, you're buying crap. This is like the true. And this is the color that you see the caramelization. The, uh, it, it is because it absorbed that color. Cause whiskey is clear when it hits the barrel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that color that you see comes from the aging of the barrel. So the more it ages, the darker it gets. Or so it's like le- a, it's leaching it from its right. container. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So when I uh, picked up that Terry bottle, um, I'm like, wow, this is this was aged two years. Uh-huh. To me, it's like a like a wine enthusiast, right? You're like, oh wow, this is a 2019. This is a 2020. Oh, that's a baby. Okay. And that's that's exactly the term that I would use for for bourbon. Is that it was only aged two years. It, 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 it's a baby still. It, okay. it still could use a couple more years in the Rick House, or I mean, hell, you can go with the the, the Jeffersons uh, Ocean Age, which I almost or brought, Ocean which finished. I almost brought today. But that's that good. is a that's yeah, a phenomenal that's, drink. That's that, another story. So uh, I mean, real quick on that, we had a bottle. Well, actually, we were drinking that when we were talking about potentially starting a podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that almost, was aged eight years. And then finished out on a barge out to sea, and that barge left uh, South Carolina, went through Panama Canal, like, and, and pretty much traveled through uh, different parts of the of the world, and came back. And I think it was the the whole voyage, and each each voyage has a different taste to it because every time they do a voyage, weather patterns change, the heat changes, it passes the uh, equator a couple times, so you're you're getting more of the heat. So you're saying this was like stowed away and there was like just regular commerce going on. These uh, guys were actually, they weren't just, you know, floating around the hemisphere just for the sake and of And that's this. the good thing. It, well, I mean, from what I gathered, it wasn't even stowed away. It was on deck. Those barrels were sitting on deck. Oh, so, so it, they're getting they the sea breeze. Come, and, exactly. The okay. sea, the ocean air, yeah. the sloshing back and forth from the ocean waves. So you're capturing more of the, of the barrel flavors uh, and things of that nature. So... Um, it was a very interesting story, and we're probably going to have one of those bottles again because I can't. Are, wait. are you setting it up for next podcast? Whoa, is that, is that what you're doing here? No, I, uh, next, next, next time, next episode, okay. we'll, I will bring a, uh, a bottled and bond. I'm just going to okay. put it there. Okay, because that's what you're bringing next, yeah. and I'm bringing the cigar, and I will. I'm not going to tell you what cigar I'm bringing, but you've already got Shh, it. it's a secret. You already know because I kind of tip my hat. But um, no, that's. I mean. I told that, retold that story after you. I told that to my brother, who's another cigar whiskey guy. And uh, it's funny because, you know, for me, you know, I really enjoy this stuff. But I, I'm, I'm going to immediately tell you I'm a novice in both areas and learn as I go. I'm kind of like, you know, learning computer. Yeah. And it's that, uh, you know, that qualitative and that quantitative concept. It was where I'm really into the subjective, like what I like. And... You know, people could say, you really like that? That's garbage. Why don't you try this? You know, I've heard, you know, as time has gone by. But, you know, the interesting thing about it, I think what actually brought us to this point is we're just, you know, we're just regular guys who 
I think the majority of the people that are out there do not want to spend a ton of money on, you know, we, we can't, we can't, no, you know, no. I'm, I'm not going to sit there and buy, you know, mortgage to pay. Yeah, I'm yeah, not going to yeah. spend. So from the normal standpoint, um, you know, we're looking for that gem that doesn't cost super a lot, but man, bang for your buck. And, um, same holds true with the cigars and holds true with the, uh, the brown liquor and i use the term brown liquor because we're not just like whiskey specific or bourbon specific but um there's a ton of people out there who are in there. i think they are like us so like okay yeah, i like this and every one of us and i know i've been in this position where like hey have you tried you know uh the dot 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 this one that like no i've never heard of that and i, I kind of so bite my tongue and I don't like, like oh, should i have heard of it am i an idiot or well i mean no that but um, the other, said it. you know, but I, I said it, but the thing is, you know, and I hope in this podcast, we continue to educate, we grow with it is, you know, as our, you know, hopefully our fan base does too. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, when you told me that whole story, I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued yeah. uh, because I'm sure there are more stories out there like that, that bring, you know, here's the final product and here's the backstory with it. Yeah, I think that one of the objectives here, and, and it's going to help us uh, learn more about the cigars, learn more about the whiskey, educate, and, and share the stories uh, along the way. Um, spe- this is a, yeah, collector's interest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of cigars, how yeah. do you, uh, you're, it looks like you're about halfway through, maybe entering the last third of this. Um, Yes. What do you What do you think of uh, the the Oliva series uh, series O um, Habano? Okay. I mean, let in a phrase, very impressed. I mean, you say, "Hey, that's not saying much for you, Ken." No, but what it is is, ah. you know, it smooth. It is, you know, a lot of times for me, like I said, just my simple understanding of things is when you light it, the ash. Burns systematically. It, it, it's got a nice long ash, you know, which makes me feel that it basically is, it's wrapped correctly. And yep, when you when it's ventilated and the air is you know flowing through it, it, it seems to go you know nicely. And the other part with it, as far as the flavor goes, I mean, you could sit there and people could say, "Hey, I'll give you three cigars; they all taste about the same, or whatever it may be." Mm. But as time goes by, then you start to notice those those different nuances. This one, I would immediately, if I went to somewhere and I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll take one. I'll uh, you know, yeah. cut it for me because I'm going <clears> to <throat> smoke this right now. I'm going to walk down the street with it um, immediately. I, and I feel like the the Olivas are, to me, my f- favorite uh, is so far. Just price tag, point, uh, flavor, construction. I mean, I'm a big fan of Alec Bradley and mm-hmm. and now the Alec and Bradley, which are the two brothers that are kind of venturing off on their own thing. So Alan Rubin, who started Alec Bradley, named it after his sons. His sons are now a little older and following in his papa's footsteps. So now they have the Alec and Bradley we cigar. Gonna, are we going to do that now or are we going to stick with, you know, are we gonna talk about uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I but, mean, um, I, you're so full of I've never had a, a bad Alec Bradley or Alec Bradley or and Alec. And Bradley, and I've never really had a bad Oliva. I mean, my favorite, and uh, I mean, I'm sure half most of the country that smokes cigars would would agree. The Oliva Milano Serie V. I mean, it's been in the top five for the the past five, ten years or whatever. I don't know the exact. It, it is 
a phenomenal smoke um and and is named after like the guy who started in the the Milano family back in like 1886 or whatever when uh-huh. he like first started growing tobacco in Cuba like and then it is back when they <clears throat> figure out the world was not flat right right okay um but yeah it, it is uh and I've I've always I've heard this this term of like the cigar five families right like it's like the the mobs like you got the 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 Oliva family. You got the uh, the Fuente family. You have now the the Ruben family. You, you yeah. So and and I'm sure we're going to be corrected on that. Oh, absolutely. Someone's going to correct us. Yeah. No, you're Disclaimer, wrong. We are not yeah, experts yeah, on this. Yeah, far from it. Uh, to add to what you're saying is, I had the opportunity to get my son-in-law, who he's in this definitely into. He's of the same mind as I. Brown liquor, cigars. Uh, we've been doing this for a while. And I was able to get him a box set of the select. They had select Olivas. And uh, uh, I think they're all gone. I mean, he, from what I remember, he more like, how's it going? He's like, yeah, they're great. You know, and I think he might have a few left. But it adds testament when I'm saying, you know, when I said that example of like, if I went somewhere and saw it, hey, can you go ahead and cut that? Yeah. It was one of the deals where he's like, hey, I you know he works like most folks. And he, like, hey, I'm going to want to kick back. And, uh, you know, it's not like he has to be like, oh, you know, sit there and look at, oh, this is amazing. It, it fills, you know, some level of enjoyment or some level of like, hey, let's decompress for the day. Let's kick back with a cigar. And it, it fits that need. And I would immediately think that as well. If I was doing what I was doing, whatever it may be, in, in just the regular day-to-day stuff. And I had one of these at the end of the day or maybe on a Saturday, the start of the day. Who knows? Uh midday yeah it's it's in line with okay we're gonna have a good day yeah or we have a great topper at the end of the day or man today was rough let me have one of these yeah uh you know sorry folks that's the best way i can describe it in the vernacular as being a novice in this but i mean you know that true blue feeling is it's like okay now trust me i've had some cigars out there i'm like wow um yeah this is basically a uh i just bashed my pinky toe with a uh yeah, hammer, and it, it comes know. down to construction. It comes down to the blend. Uh, I always look at a cigar. Uh, the first thing I do is I look at it, make sure it's there's no tears, rips, or or wrapper coming off. Uh, then when after I cut it, I do a cold draw just to kind of get that taste of the wrapper and kind of see you know what uh, what's in store. And as you smoke it, you can kind of see the, is the burn even. Uh, do you need to touch it up a lot? Um, mm-hmm. How is the ash? Um, you know, one of my favorites is the CAO Vision. It was they did it 14 years ago, or shoot, 16 years ago now, and then they did a 2020 version of it. Um, the 2020 version is by far uh, just outstanding. Um, Cameroon wrapper on that, and there's an inside joke there, but uh, it, yeah. it is a. Let's leave it there. The uh, ash itself, you can tell when it. You can almost look at it. It is white has a, like almost a crystallization on the hmm. on the ash itself the burn at where the ash meets the wrapper there's that black mark that goes around and that you can tell some of the oils from the cigar as you smoke it create more of like a a, a black ring uh, around the cigar and that'll that'll kind of be a good indicator of of the freshness and and the wrapper and the quality of that leaf um I, I'm a big fan of these. Uh, I, I would definitely smoke a, an Oliva. I mean, I've always liked Olivas, but the, the Serie O, this is the first time I've had one of these. Um, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm I, impressed. It, it and, is. and I haven't touched it up. 
It's an even burn. It's been consistent. Yeah, exactly. We, it's been it's been a nice slow burn. It's been, you know, you look down and you're like, okay, it's just it's steady. You know, you yeah. purge it here and there, but you know that we do that with all cigars. You know, and, Set and it down we and... had a, I, and I had the empty box behind you, but I, I, I just purchased a, a second box of that because I'm a, I'm a sucker for them. But the Alec Bradley Shamrocks, this now is the season. They just got released. Um, oh. You have the Filthy Hooligan, which is a barber pole, which comes with a Maduro or with a, a Habano wrapper and a Candela wrapper. And a Candela is that green wrapper that you, you sure. see. And then the Shamrock is a Habano, a Candela, and a Maduro. So it's three actual leaves wrapped around. We had it last time you were over, and uh, we'll probably have it again when we get closer to uh, St. Patrick's it's Day. It's coming up, yeah. Um, yeah. So we get appropriate. Those are tricky, though, because w- w- it's not one uh, wrapper. It's not one leaf wrapping the entire thing. It is a mixture of two or three in that case. So the burn might be uneven. It, you might have to touch it up. It might what they call canoe or cone on you. Uh-huh. Um, but even with that, I mean, when we smoked it the last weekend, it was uh, it, it it was flavorful because you yeah. get that 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 complex like that that uh, robust of different flavors. Each puff was slightly different, and and, and it's a, its own way. It was very but. Like, like this, this is consistent. This is something that I would take on a golf course with me. Oh, man. Yeah, there's just a variety of different venues I would take this with. The, you know, I, no complaints. I mean, they're really, you know, it's, you would feel confident with this. Definitely recommending this to someone else. Uh, I would even recommend this to somebody who has no idea. You know, you, yeah. like you were talking about that before, you know, long before this. We, everybody, you know, who gets into this, they have their humidor, you know, it could be extensive, it could be basic, whatever it may be, but you got a couple crown jewels in there that you have and you've got friends and your friends, you got friends who basically like cigars or enjoy that or, or like me, they're kind of like fledgling involvement in it. But then you got people who have like, no, you know, no desire or whatever, but they'll be like, Hey, yeah, sure. Everybody's smoking one. I'll have one too. Um, you're not going to, I'm not going to probably, I, I'm not just might. I might give them something like this to get them hooked. To more like, no, not that I'm a dealer. This is but a I perfect mean, beginner. Yeah, I think I, it is. But you also like we have the ones like there's some people that you know in your lives who just don't appreciate it. So yeah. they're gonna. I'll have some cigars in that. You know. Well, the price the point on this is comparable. I mean, the, the price point on one of these, I believe, is somewhere just uh, in between eight and ten bucks a pop. Yeah. Or uh, you know, so uh, if you were to give somebody that that's just getting into it. Um, get them a robusto size or, or or even a Toro size, something a little shorter, so they're not spending, you know, an hour and a half on a burn or whatever yeah. the case may be. Yeah. Just to kind of give them that that flavor, give them that. Hey, listen, this is a this is quality. This is the you know, is it the best? No, no but, but it's the all... best is the best is debatable, right? Because yeah. that's that's people's opinions. Yeah, and you know, you know it's it's far beyond our, our our scale. Yeah, exactly. but I mean the it's interesting you bring that up because I often thought about that as well because you know when I first started smoking cigars I'm like oh you're gonna smoke a cigar and um, but then when you start ask you know talking about time frames you know you really do like okay this one is gonna go ahead and burn you know it's a sixty minute one or yeah you know, buckle up this one's gonna be ninety minutes and it's like or in the case of a uh, uh, what was it the asylum oh yeah uh, uh, they, uh, asylum makes some read. Ridiculous size. They, 
Uh, I yeah, picked one up the other day just as, and I giggled because it was a uh, eight by 80. Yeah. Wow. So it, it, I mean, it was a, it's a monster. It, you might as well. So you clear... say it's like smoking a Pringles can? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right. Much. All yeah. right. But that's the immediate issue. But I mean, it yeah. would be funny here. But like you, you, you might as well clear your schedule for something like that. Right. Then Asylum also makes the complete opposite. They make a cigar called the 20 minute Tom. Uh huh. Where you're, you know, you can anticipate, you know, 30 minutes or less. You can go out there, go burn one. Cut the grass. Cut the grass, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and kind of be done with it, right? And so um, I'm a big fan of the Toro size. I'll go Robusto once in a while. Like, I like my, the, my father, the judge, in a, in a Robusto size. And the size also uh, changes your flavor and changes the body of the cigar as well because... The, the, the thinner the ring gauge, you're getting more wrapper, so you're getting more flavor. The fatter the ring gauge, you're getting more of the filler. Um, and for those who don't know, there's three just components uh, of the cigar. You have the filler, the binder, and the wrapper. The wrapper is what you see. The filler is what's inside. Uh, the, the, the binder is essentially a wrapper leaf that was just wrapped around the filler to hold it together before they put the wrapper on. Um, let's slow down. I'm taking notes. You, you slow can, down a little bit. You can smoke a cigar without a wrapper leaf. It's just not going to be pretty. Okay. The, 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 the filler or the, the binder is just not, it, it is a wrapper leaf that just didn't make the cut. Okay. It's got a little bit of veins to it. Maybe, maybe some slight tears in here and there. It's not a prettier leaf, but Blowing it'll hold it together. my mind right now. <laughs> That's why I'm like, can we get, I need, a, I need a soundboard for yeah, the sound yeah, effects. Yeah, we got to do that. Uh, we, I got to come back to sports. I mean, I, I would be, you know, we're getting close to the end here, but, you know, like we did mention, Chicagoland area, Chicago Bears. Okay, you know, since we are talking about sports, we started, hey, you started this, you know. We're talking Don't about, blame me. Well, I, you know, the thing about it, the beauty of football, any NFL fan can talk about football all year long. I mean, and it's become an all-year long. Well, the, the combine know. is, you know. The, well, which, and, and I heard some interesting things. That like, well, the Rams in particular, they didn't send anybody there. Yeah. Uh, there's been arguments. There, well, there, there's an argument. It's an archaic event. It's basically an antiquated measure to, you know, how often does it turn into something where, okay, if somebody goes to the combine, okay, long before the combine, the, these talents are going to be there. Yeah. You know, they don't have to go to the combine to be drafted. Um, you know, but I mean, when you see like the, uh, like a, like a Chris Johnson who, you know, set the mark and, you know, he basically was incredible, you know, as far as how his speed was. And he had a couple of years of, wow, look at this guy. And, you know, that's it. You know, n- n- not a Hall of Famer. I mean, but, you know, I think, you know, where is our, where's our gauge? You know, are we looking for the future Hall of Famer? And then, you know, the thing they blast all over any sports show, whatever it may be, you've got Tom Brady doing his 40-yard his dash. And, um, yeah, I think I could have beat him in a foot race, you know, back then. Uh, you know, I, we'll send another time talking about Tom Brady. I know you're from that East Coast area kind of deal, and yeah, nobody likes him over there. Uh, yeah, because he's a now. For those of you who don't know, I'm originally from Jersey, so I, yeah, I have that little East Coast attitude. I don't nobody like knew that. Nobody knew that. Yeah, time. I don't. I'm not a big fan of uh, you know, the Giant. I'm, I'm definitely not a big fan of anything from Philly. It, it's just rightly so. I'm a transplant in the Chicagoland area, so. Well, I mean, the, uh, well, Tom Brady, I mean, he, 
here, this is very hard for me as a Steeler fan. I've watched as the years have gone by and what he's done to the Steelers. And for me, finally, that cathartic or that, that moment or that epiphany was when he did win the Super Bowl last year with the Buccaneers. I finally waved the white flag. I'm like, okay, you're it. You're, you're, I mean, there's no, you know, I really don't have to explain anybody who's paid attention to anything he's done in those years. And they don't really need to hear it from us. No, but no, I no. mean, if we are referencing some, you know, we are referencing like, you know, the, the highest of the highest. Um, you, I don't care what anybody argues. You can't really get away from that. I mean, I feel like we were kind of uh, in this generation blessed to see so many hall of fame caliber quarterbacks play at the same time. And I, I'm interested to see if we come across a similar situation in the next 15 to 20 years or so. Cause I mean, we had the, the, the Aaron Rodgers, we had Ben, we had, Drew Brees, we had Tom Brady, like we had a, a good amount of phenomenal yeah. quarterbacks play simultaneously against each other. That yeah, and if on the off chance, I believe if Aaron Rodgers retires this year, could you imagine all the first ballots? You know, the first ballots are going to happen five years from here on out. Which is, I mean, think about this: you have all these guys that are out there, and now all of a sudden they've leapfrogged. Some other potential first balloters that won't be first balloters because all of a sudden these guys, oh, I know these guys, they move to the front of the line. Yeah. Okay, we can already, I mean, across the board, yeah, Roethlisberger, first ballot, no question. Uh, Drew Brees, no question. Uh, Tom Brady is exactly what the Hall of Fame was is predicated on, it is built upon. Yeah. Uh, it, it, if we look at all the quarterbacks that are on, I mean, if you want to talk, okay, you, you brought up Aaron Rodgers. Let's, Let's just, we'll talk about him again. Say what you will about him, okay? Um, I think you can't dispute a phenomenal, I don't know the words, the, the superlatives about Aaron Rodgers. For me, the average Joe or Joanne who's watching, you're like, why is this guy getting in his own way with what he's doing outside of football, okay? Um and, and you know, I could be attacked by every Green Bay member out there. And let's let's be sure of this. If we're talking about Green Bay, and I can only say this because I have a lot of friends who are rabid Green Bay fans. And a lot of the formulas that Green Bay uses to create a great team, they, they pretty much are in line with what the Steelers do. I mean, if you really look at it. Uh, but I would have to say that there are probably more Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers fans then there are Green Bay fans. I mean, Ooh, people say, point. you're out of hand, Ken. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Well, I mean, just, you know, don't sharpen the sticks and light the torches yet. Um, really, I mean, if you probably wouldn't have been watching those teams or been a big fan if those guys weren't on, on your team. If Ben Roethlisberger was not on the Steelers, I think he would still have the same fandom. You will have some, and they've, they've proven that as years have gone by. Yeah. They've had incredibly pedestrian quarterbacks after Bradshaw. And then after that, you have, you know, uh, then you have Roethlisberger, which we were just so fortunate to have, you know, you know, and then there it sits. But, you know, and when it comes to a Green Bay fan, uh, I, I'm surprised we're in the Chicagoland area, how many Green Bay fans there are. And it's Chicago's fault. I will go with that, you know, because I want to go ahead and get the, you know, I'm not going to 
jab the Chicago Bears because I do like them. I always want them to win. Um, um, but, I mean, you can listen to, there's plenty of educated, smart sports pundits out here in Chicago. You know, you go to any one of these sports stations that are out there, they're plugged in. And you listen to them, and all you can do is basically, like, just nod and listen. I mean, they have a pretty darn good idea of what the problems are with Chicago. You know, all the way from the top management, all the way down to their evaluation of talent. Yeah. Um, and anybody who doesn't know anything just basically could look and see, oh, what have you done with your draft picks? You know, how good have they been and whatnot? And, you know, let's talk about, like, Nick Foles. I'm not going to pick on the guy. I don't want to. Um, it's easy to. It's easy to. But, yeah, well, he did beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Everybody knows that. Okay? Truth. Yeah. Now, when you look at him, as far as, like, the man, he's your guy that's actually going to go ahead and he's going to be your franchise. They've tried it. You know, Jacksonville was an interesting thing to me because when they gave him all that money, and he got hurt. Like I said, I will not, as far as injuries go, that's not an indictment. Okay, it's part of the game. But clearly, it keeps you off the field. So when you really look at that and we try to you know, quantify it, uh, does it stuff your growth? Does it you know, clearly keep you from being better than what you, you know, were purported to be? Sure, because you're not getting the reps. You, you, the potential's not there. I mean, you know, what could have been? And I think that injury to, uh, to Nick Foles, I mean, he threw a touchdown pass in the first game of the season when he was with Jacksonville, and he was injured and he was done. Bears pick him up. In my opinion, gave him a lot of money. Gave that guy a lot of money. Um, with once again hoping that this guy would be the man. Bears are crazy like that. And a lot of Bears fans are going to go maybe shut this off when I go ahead and say uh, the Mike Lennon project, for lack of a better term. You know, they bought into, you know, Mike Lennon, very serviceable backup. You know what? He's never actually had the reins. We're going to give him a chance. And I kind of applaud Chicago for doing that. People are like, you're crazy for doing that. Well, now you know. Okay, you were the guys. I'm sorry you guys had to be the, you know, the test, the eye test, and everything down the line where you gave him the starting role and you seen what you got. So no one can ever say after that, oh, he wasn't given the chance. He's always been a, a, a backup. Let's see what happens when we give him the keys of the car. And uh, no, you figured it out. So the Bears did that for the rest of the NFL, uh, rest of the NFL people who are involved. But Michael still has a job. Now, bringing you back to your original question, which is so ironic. Here we go. I'm like that. I'm that guy who's all over the place. Bringing it back. Trubisky. Trubisky reminds me of Mike Tomczak. Uh, Mike Tomczak at Ohio State. He didn't have a starting job when he was drafted by the Bears. He played for them. He's under the Dick regime. Uh, he was coached up. He did well. And had a very good career as a journeyman. I mean, he was on the Steelers. He did well with the Steelers. Uh, the one thing that I would have to say about Tomzak that jumps out at me immediately was his mental toughness. You know, if you watch the game and you watch what he did and, and mistakes that were made and the things he he jumped back in there. Yeah. Okay. He seemed you know unflat. He was basically in there. Is that Trubisky? Is Trubisky, you know, not only spending time working on his his reps, learning the system, uh, you know, we'll find out down the line his you know his quarterback acumen, 
But how mentally tough is this guy? That, that, that can't be measured in a combine. That can't be measured in, in any of these tests that are out there. I know they do their best with the Wonderlick, you know, try to, you know, from an intelligence standpoint. Uh, but I, you know, the, the jury's out on that. Um, you've seen it. You're a fan, and you've seen it in these guys that are out there. You're like, okay, this guy don't have the talent. This guy, uh, you know, I'm talking in general. And, but some reason, like, man, I want him on my team. I know that he's not afraid to go. He's not going to blink when the adversity's there. And if it turns out great, fantastic. If it turns out to be a disaster, so be it. He's just going to chalk it up. He's going to go ahead and strap that helmet back on and get back out there. And that is, I think that's actually, if you can go ahead and find that in a player, because you know the elite of the elites, we've seen them. An uh, incredible amount of talent. But they never get a championship. They never get a ring. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between, and I think you need both of the physical talent and the mental talent, like you mentioned. Like, oh, yeah, it, it, it's that, you know, where do you find, and I think forever and a day you're looking for that, I guess that, I say perfect storm, but, man, if you can go ahead, not only, and it's not for one game, okay, you can sit there and say, hey, Nick Foles, look at you, what you did in the Super Bowl. Consistency, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, and when he stepped in and stepped in for Carson Wentz and he took Philadelphia to a championship. Uh, no mean feat. I mean, that was incredible. I know. But I'm going to say it wasn't his talent. I'm going to say it was his mental toughness. His mental toughness is what brought him to the, uh, and it was a perfect storm. Everything else was in place for, you know, they did some gutsy calls, and he wasn't afraid to do them. Um, but for some reason, the other parts are missing, the talent part, the uh, just basically the overall understanding of the game. I don't know. And like I said, it's just me, like a regular guy, looking at what I see. I'm not a scout. Yeah, we're just spectators. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're just, yeah. You know, but you feel it. So uh, we're going to bring this podcast to a close. I, I have this thing where uh, I, I would like to do a, uh, a do, a don't, and a myth when it comes to cigars real quick. Ooh. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of do's, don'ts, and, and myths surrounding the cigar industry. One of them that, that kind of tickles me the wrong way is... Uh, is there any way to be tickled wrong? No, actually not. Okay. Take, all right, I'm going to take that back because I just thought of three examples mm. immediately. But go ahead. The, uh, the, the folks that you see at, a, at, a, at your, your, your local humidor, your local cigar shop, and, and they'll take a cigar and, and they'll pick it up and they'll try to smell it through the cellophane. That's, that's not, you're not, don't, just, just. Uh, you, you, uh, it, it's essentially like, uh, so that's why I got kicked out of that. You, yes, you okay. No, it, 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 to me, it reminds me of somebody who goes to a liquor store and tries to smell the bourbon through the bottle. It, you're not going to get any smell through the cellophane and it, it, it's just, it's, it's just etiquette. Uh, hmm. what now when you do find a cigar, like a Liga Pravada number nine or something like that, or a Milanio that, that doesn't come in a cellophane. Don't put your nose all over it in a store and try to smell it and then put it back. Make sure that, that you purchase that one because I don't want to pick that up and I don't want to put that near my face, on my mouth, in my, like I don't want to smoke a cigar that's been near someone's, you know, nose rubbed all over it. It's just one of those things where I, I see a lot of veterans, I, I see a lot of beginners do, but I mean, I've also seen some veteran smokers who, who did as well and I'm like, that, 
you're not you you, you can't smell anything through the cellophane. It, it is a it's a definitely a a, a don't. I'm a snowmer. So, um, so uh, to, to close this uh, reviews, uh, where I'm I'm down to almost a, a nub here. Uh, you're, you're getting close to the yep. label here. Yep, yep. Um, but we're probably going to finish these off air here. Uh, thoughts of the cigar? We went over. Uh, you know, this is a consistent cigar. Would you smoke it again? I, I would. Absolutely. Um, no question. Now, if you're going to rate it a cigar, and, and we're not going to do your your cigar aficionado 94 rating, blah blah blah. I'm going to give this figure skating rules. You got a a, a a zero to a ten point It's kind of like a, like the guy from Barstool Sports who 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 judges a, a pizza slices. You know, I I honestly He's great. I would give this I'd give this a, a seven point eight is the number that comes to mind. It's a it's a, a great cigar. It's a good consistent cigar. It is uh, something I would definitely pick up again. Is it phenomenal? Is it blowing my sock? I'm not wearing socks. Is it blowing my slippers off? Oh my God, you're not. No, 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 not at all. Um, I, I would, yeah, seven point eight. What do you think? In that range, like you're talking about. I mean, I didn't even think in that perspective, but you brought me there. Um, yeah, I mean, I was thinking, you know, it's gonna. I mean, from you know the worst to the top. I, I don't ever think I'll find a ten. Uh, just in general. Well, that's the thing. Is you yeah, can't give something have, a 10 because yeah, if you, you have yeah. something better than that, yeah, yeah. what do you do? It's, right? ele- it's 11. Um, <laughs> the, um, no, I was, I was thinking that the knee-jerk reaction definitely is, I was going to say 8. I wasn't going to yeah. point it. I was going to be like, it's a, it, getting back to what I'm saying, from my own, you know, my own beliefs and understanding of stuff, uh, yeah. Uh, because I know I could, if I saw it and I could also, at this point in time, confidently go into whatever smoke shop and say, hey, I want this. I, w- I could rattle it off. Yep. You know, because there's all too many times where you go into, you know, when I first started, it's kind of intimidating. When you go into a place, you're like, okay, you, and it's funny because when you go in there, it's, you're, it's not level ground. The, the person you assume who's running the shop or, you know, he's an officiant. So they'll rattle off some things you may not understand. You kind of like nod, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, uh, oh, yeah, you know, I heard of that. Maybe I did or didn't. But um, now I can actually come in there and say, okay, I've had some experience with these a couple times now. And I will start looking for those in particular. And the minute I say it and I get directed that way, clearly I'm, I'm going to make that purchase. And I think that's for me, uh, for me, my, and it might change. Probably anything that's a seven or above, I'm going to confidently go somewhere and buy it. Yep. I'm going to go out of my yeah. way and say, okay, I'm looking it's for this. Solid, yeah, solid I'm going to buy it. Yeah. And I would. And the other part of it, anything seven or above, I would certainly recommend it um, along those lines. Anything less, you know, we'll see down the line when we come to it. But, um, you know, I'm having a feeling that these ones that we've been coming across are like of, of that higher end, enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, a lot of room at the top, I believe. So yeah, yeah, and I, I, I come down to like again the construction, the flavor, the consistency, uh, all that matters to me. The flavor, obviously, but like I've had, you know, for example, Gurkhas, and I've gotten a Gurkha cigar uh, sampler pack, you know, a five pack you can get from you know wherever for twenty twenty five bucks or whatnot. Mm-hmm. If you got 
three cigars in there that are crap, but two that are outstanding, you got your monies. You got okay. your money back, right? Got it. And I think that's the same thing with the... Which, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't go so far as say crap, though. I mean, he would say... Uh, but, uh, all right, yeah. No, I wouldn't say a crap. It, it's a good... Uh... Forgive me, I'm... Yeah, no. I, I would say... Um, Can I add four years? Like a, a good fire pit, like a campfire uh-huh. cigar, right? Like, it's, okay. it's not crap, but it's something that I would just smoke when I'm BSing around a fire pit, and if I quit it early, I'm not going to be too upset about it type of deal. But that's the thing about Gurkha compared to Oliva is, is I've Gurkha is kind of inconsistent. They have phenomenal cigars out there, but they also have some that are not so great. Well, that's across the board, I guess. Right. You know, right there out there. So. Like I said, there's room, always room at the top. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, like those different venues where you're at, you say the fire, I mean, the the fire. Like let's say you're camping, something like that. Um, you know, would you say, hey, it should be across the board, whether I'm camping, sitting in my backyard, or sitting in our smokehouse. Yep. Or, you know, I don't mind something that, you know, is not on the high end, we'll call it, you know, at a campground. If I'm fishing or doing whatever it may be, I don't mind that so much. Or maybe I should show on the boat. But it shows the inconsistent, because Gurkha knows, too, because they'll make a, a $4 cigar, and then I think their most expensive cigar is yeah. 1500 bucks. Okay. All yeah. right. It is a, uh, it's a, comes in like a glass tubo, uh, dipped, uh, it, the cigar's been dipped in King Louis the 13th. Uh, and it's blessed by the local bishop. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is, I, I'm, I'm, please, if you're listening and, and if you've ever had one or have one in your humidor, please let us know. Uh, I, I'm willing, I, I want to know how, is it worth 1500 bucks? But. Now, yeah. I don't think anybody who buys a $1,500 cigar is listening to us. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I'm just saying, you know, I could be wrong. I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, yeah. And Ron Burgundy, you can throw it right back. <laughs> okay. Um, man, but you know what? On your eight, I would give I would give your uh, your whiskey here. I would give it a good eight. That's oh, yeah. Eight. I mean, we're going, yeah, we're going to go ahead and, you know, we're going to go Stranahan's ahead and Stranahan's Blue Peak Rocky Mountain uh, Single Malt Whiskey made in Colorado. Yep. That's a solid, dude. Yeah, and it's, you know, when I actually decided to go with that for our inaugural podcast here, um, there's a variety of them out there. We've obviously sampled a huge amount in our time. And I think I had, you know, some whispers, some understanding, you know, whatever, paying attention, talking to people, et cetera, et cetera, as years gone by. And when I saw that, I'm like, okay, you know, media, you just basically, hey, today the, the whiskey chose me, or actually, yeah. Whiskey chose me today. Mm, and I think it does that. Yes, it'll choose you. It's not me choosing it. And today was perfect. And we got a beautiful day out here. We got a blessing there. And yeah, it's uh check the weather here. Uh it's <laughs> it was in the twenties yesterday. Now it's sixty five outside. Sixty five, yeah. yeah. So, so um perfect. but yeah, no, uh thanks for uh, listening. Uh, Ken, it's always a, a pleasure. Oh, like I said, I use that term I, too I, kind. I'm, uh, I'm thanks for to... the education today. I just sat there and I'm like, like I said, I'm sorry that my the the ink ran out of my pen. Mm, you know, you need a to that, that, use a pencil next time. I need a pencil next time. Number two. Yeah, number two or number three. I, do they come in different numbers? Yeah, that's the funny thing about that. I'm not I sure was about one that. of the. I said do a number two pencil, and everywhere I went, it, they were all nothing but number twos. Now, I imagine the other ones are like sketch pencils or something like that. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Um, 
I've really done. You know, maybe you should bring that up next time. Pencil facts. Give us the hint for it, you know. Matt's pencil yeah. facts. And we will definitely lose anybody. Nobody, yeah. Right yeah. Our one listener is going to go. Bye-bye. Okay, I'm out. Yep. Yeah, they're talking you about know. pencils. All right. Well, that's our podcast. That's episode one. Obviously, you have some kinks to work through, but appreciate you guys taking the time. We'll see you next time.